1: Trigger, 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 Hi, I'm Nolika Radway.
2: And I'm Andrea O'Brien, and this is Triggered.
1: Yes, our podcast about all the things that have triggered us and... How we're feeling about those things. So we'd like to start the podcast by sharing our tarot. And I haven't even turned mine's over yet this morning. So why don't you start? Okay, so I'm going to try. So I turned over in the new world,
2: <laughs> in the next world tarot deck, which is the deck that we both use. That's right. I that's got right, the deck. five of cups and uh, the person on the five of cups. I don't know if you can see it. Um, you can't cause yeah. of my blur cause of my blur, but whatever yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah. it says, oh, the card, card says loss. loss. Let's just put loss. it that way. Loss. Um, I'm trying to find <laughs> <laughs> clearly it's I have okay. lost myself. Um, I'm trying to find it's my okay. actual, my actual, the actual words around the card. Um, but for some reason I am not doing a really good job this morning. Uh, but anyway, well, let
1: me just tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Let talk me, just me tell you because I've, I've gotten this card before and I, I know it. And when I get it, it's one of those ones I want to just like put back yeah, in like, the oh, deck. It's yeah, it's definitely a put back in the deck card that, you know, they want to laugh at you because there's no play back again. But it says I'm just going to be the last sentence. Mm-hmm. The, the last little phrase, the five of cups ask you to grieve death and burned bridges while understanding the importance of owning your truth and healing. Yeah. And that's, that's all you need to know. That's kind of all you need to know. That's what's, that's 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 all you need to know.
2: I mean, you know, it's hard. Like, it, it talks about, like, false hope and all these things. I'm going to go process this card, but either way, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> what are you selling we gonna me? We're going to process
1: it right now. We're about to process right now. And it's on this call. We're about to process right now. All right, let me see what I got. Let me see what I got. Oh shit!
2: Oh, what you get? Because I can't. Oh shit!
1: Because you know how you know how we always say, yeah. I gotta top you. I gotta top you. You thought you, Damn Alika, you, thought I you didn't know we great. were in competition over this tarot thing. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> you thought you you thought you were gonna get the card we hate, but no, we don't hate it. Sorry, we don't hate the card, but the card we, that we have trouble has accepting us, that it. That's all. We have chart, tar- but no. I was like, no, I'm about to beat you right now. The ten of swords. <laughs> no, if you guys saw a picture of this card. Our girl Christy Rhodes, like she can draw some things. It's like, you don't even need to read it. You don't even need to read no, the our, writing the, because you just look at the card and you be like, "The best part is for the cards that, like, like, that we pull. The
2: people's skin color is like gray.
1: There's like, yes. It's yes. like
2: yes. yeah, it's like she draws these vibrant yes. people of color. Yes. You know, yes. all of these yes. great queer representations of folks. The yes. people in our cards are gray. Yes. They're just gray." <laughs>
1: And and my word, your word was was lost. My word was lost. My word is ruin. Oh jeez, oh, ruin. <laughs> it's because we haven't spoken. It's because we haven't spoken to each other in can't... a week. That's what happened. Yeah, that's. What I told you already. I, when you go a whole week and you don't hear from me, you know a lot. A lot went down. I'm not even gonna read the whole thing because again, I don't have the, I don't have the energy for all that right now. But I'm just gonna <laughs> read the last sentence. The Ten of Swords asks you to trust your pain, own your suffering. Don't deny yourself of care you deserve from self and validation from your community. That validation is the root of safety. This Ten of Swords believes now is the time to ask your people for safety. All right. All right. Well here I'm here. You can, can say can I hide you can, can I hide safe. in this um on this podcast with you right now? In this, in this little in this virtual space. On this
2: podcast. I need and safety. I will I need safety. burn my bridges and grieve my 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 deaths and figure out yes. the like the false hopes that I have and all the things. Yes. I'm good. Yes. I'm, good.
1: Yes. I'm good. Yes. I'm gonna start light. I'm gonna start us off. Okay. I'm gonna start <laughs> us off because obviously we need we need we need we need some things. We need to say, we need some things. So, um, my, I'm going to start. So my first trigger, which is, um, it was interesting. I will, I will speak about why I found it particularly triggering and not in necessarily a bad way, but like in an unexpected way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who did this, but somebody went and, um, took it upon themselves to find, like use photographs of old, like old photographs of black folks um, that we know and love, and animate them. Like make them come I to life. Have saw this Have you seen this? this. Have it seen was this? So crazy, they have it, yes. It was kind of. It was, so it's like Harriet Tubman. They have one of W.E.B. Du Bois. They have. Um, Nat Tur- no, Frederick, no, Frederick Douglass. Douglas, young, yes. young and old. Young and old. So both sides. And I just got to say, it was really. So, it was really triggering because when I saw it, I was like, this is interesting. And then, it made them so much realer to me. Like, it was like, I didn't recognize how important movement is. Yes. And how unique movement is. And, like, first of all, the idea, like, whoever decided their movement they ain't really know them so it's like they're deciding how they move and how someone moves looks smiles smirks all of that stuff you know like you you take a picture on an iphone now and it, it's like a thirty sec, it's like a three second like pitch like you can be live and so you can see the picture like move in and out yes. but there's a lot to be said in like how someone moves so it had me in my feelings just around like these are real people, and I thought I thought of them as real people before, but they became they were ideas super real they were ide- like it was something about seeing them move, and then the other thing, and I don't know how I don't know what to say about this, but my dude Frederick Douglass, yo, I just looked at his movement picture of young self, and I was like, I know you were on some fuck shit, like I know." <laughs> I just looked at him move, and I was like, "I know. I don't know if this is right or not, but I'm looking at you right now, and I know you were on, you were on some shit. Like you were feeling yourself, and I know you was on some. Okay, shit, so and you, you that's do, Okay, so you you do know the
2: story of him like leaving the, the the black wife and going to the white wife.
1: Well, let not, me tell you. She's not let me not tell you. I,
2: think, I, I don't remember if she's white. No, let, let me say. tell you. Let me tell you. Let me Go tell ahead. you.
1: So I watched this show. I don't know if I've talked about it before on Trigger. But there is a mini, a, a mini series on Showtime, I believe, called The Good Lord's Bird. I think I've talked the about it. The Good Lord Bird. Yes, yes, show. you did. You did. With Matthew yes. Modine, I think. And so, yes. So, um, Ethan Hawk is like. Ethan the Hawk, dude. Ethan Hawk. You know, Ethan Hawke, Yes. Ethan Hawk, he does a thing. But in it, our boy from. Um, why can't I ever remember this dude's name? From Hamilton Afro plays. Um, plays um Thomas Jefferson. Anyway, that same dude, he plays Bo's brother in Blackish. You know him. You know. Oh him. Yes, you know yes, him. yes, yes,
2: yes, mm-hmm.
1: yes. Yeah, rapper dude. So that dude plays Frederick Douglass in the move in the miniseries Good Lord Bird. And when I saw that movement video of Frederick Douglass, I was like, I already knew. I already knew. I already knew. You want some? You. And it's just interesting to think about these icons, these like historical figures in the fullness of all of who they are. And that was just really interesting to me. So that's that's where I'm starting right now. My first choice today is to talk about something
2: that triggered me for different reasons. Um, It just came out on Monday, I believe. So whatever time in March we are, it came out in March of 2021. It was the Biggie documentary called I Got a Story to Tell. On Netflix.
1: Oh wait, what? Yes. So new. The There's <laughs> a Biggie documentary. It just dropped. Um, it's on Netflix. You know my questions: Who produced it? Who's in charge? Well, I was, who's in charge? I, well, I, so
2: I have to get to all of that. Okay. But so, <laughs> good. Ahead, go ahead. So go it triggered ahead. me in a I lot of different ways. It triggered me in a lot of different ways. Um, okay. It's so first, you know, we are Biggie's age, right? And so age he would have been had he lived. So I think maybe if he died at 24, I might have been 22. Like, you know what I mean? So same age Mm -hmm. from the same area of New York. Like he's from Best Eye. We're from New York City at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and the way hip hop was back then, while it wasn't yet where everybody's partying in the Hamptons or they're partying at these clubs that we can't get into you know so Biggie was a touchable figure for us we would go to the Palladium he'd be there in a yellow puffy leather jacket talking to Charlie Baltimore he'd be in the tunnel you know I would go to Lyricist Lounge he's doing party and bullshit he was a very touchable figure for us Um mm-hmm. in a way probably mm-hmm. that Tupac wasn't because he wasn't from New York in that way. And he was in Baltimore and he Mm -hmm. was in California. But like our New York rappers, you would see Busta Rhymes in in, in the tunnel. You would see Mm -hmm. these people at the mute. It was very like... They weren't ours, but they were ours.
1: Very, very, very few degrees of separation. Right, very few degrees of separation.
2: Very you few. might have been wearing the same Everybody, outfit that Mary somebody's was wearing. Cousin. Right. Somebody's cousin You went He's to Contempo casual, casual and you got on the same outfit that mm-hmm. Mary got on in the club because we all went to Contempo Casual. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we all did.
1: Contempo Casual. So I'm saying, no, Remember Conway in the pink bags?
2: Conway in the pink bags. Like, you know, it was a very New York best. time. So, of course, Biggie has yeah, a documentary. I, I want to see it. So. Okay. We start to watch it, and I'm gonna start off by saying, one, I fell asleep. <laughs> Not because it was bad; it just. Oh, I was about to say because you do
1: fall. I was about to say ooh, but then I realized I do you, fall you, out. You fall but
2: part of the thing I realized, and what triggered, what was triggering for me, was that for those of us who were really in the moment, there's no new information. But what okay. it did was his a friend of his. I think his name is D. Rock. He must have been filming everything every day to the point where Biggie was like, yo, cut on the camera. So they have a lot of footage that we haven't seen that's just oh, Biggie wow. talking, that's personal. So that was actually dope because it humanized him in a way. But what it also mm-hmm. did was make me sad because I know how this story mm-hmm. ends. And what I did learn was that, you know, Biggie was so much like like how we grew up. Jamaican mom. You know, mm-hmm. went to Catholic school, mm-hmm. was exposed to things, musicians, all of these things. So while he was, you know, a kid from, and he he was like really in Crown Heights versus Bedstuy, um, mm-hmm. or Clinton Hill, I should say. He was really in Clinton Hill versus mm-hmm. Bedstuy, and so he didn't have this awful growing up, but it was still New York in the '80s and '90s. So it was still, you know, you if you're not hood, you hood adjacent. Especially if you live in a black neighborhood. Yeah. Even if you live in a middle class black neighborhood, you are not in the projects, but you're a projectile.
1: Pretty much. And you're like one, you're like one right. Miss Bus ride from being some bullshit. One Miss <laughs> like Bus you're ride. you like and like you can just go left
2: real quick. Yeah, and your parents, like, you know, even if they worked and saved and all those things, you were far from wealthy. You were just, we're not living check to check, but, you know two bad months and we're and we're done so mm-hmm. it's definitely mm-hmm. so and you know he's in the uniform but you saw that he was so talented and like musicians he, um there was this jazz musician that took a special interest in him that played sax or what have you and it just showed like his level of talent who he was mm-hmm. and then of course you know I want my money to do things so the allure of the street to do other shit mm-hmm. but what it, it was it was intimate in a way that there was a lot more footage. You hear a lot more of him talking. And people have had years mm-hmm. now to look back and have conversation around who they were and who he was. But the po- mm-hmm. it was so poignant, though, because the fact is that, and what I was triggered by is, we don't know who he was. He was 24. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. he could have been, the growth he might have had, like, it, it was so cut short. And violence and east coast west coast shit and drive-bys and shit was so real at the time and it brought it back up for me like all of the ways in which we were we are and were broken and the dumb shit that we fought over and the territories the territorialism that we that for shit that's not even ours we're fighting over blocks that we don't own. And so Mm -hmm. that was triggering, but, and it was also like bringing me back to a time when I was at Larissa's Lounge, when I was like, you know, you dated somebody who rhymed, you were, you know what I mean? You were definitely like Mm -hmm. in the mix. So it was good and it was bad. And then I I decided like, there's nothing new here. Like I wanted it to be better, Mm -hmm. but there's no Mm -hmm. new information to learn because this person, the main character in the documentary, I got a story to tell, cannot be reflective. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. nothing more to say, and so that was that sucked, but it was I think it was good, mm-hmm. I think, especially people who don't know a lot about his story i think like because my daughter, who's you know about to be seventeen, still knows all the biggie songs because
0: mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. so
2: I'm like i think it's mm-hmm. it would be good for her to watch um mm-hmm.
1: I think I need to put the biggie story to rest, so I think the other thing that's why I'm interested in watching it is the archival footage. Yes. Like, I would love to see, like, I wish I had more video of myself, my friends, us, like, just hanging out in our 20s, in our teens, like, just, like... Where were we? What were we wearing? Who were we hang out? With? What were we eating? Like just, just like, I, yeah. So that seems really even some of his
2: outfits. That I could was like be very reminiscent. I was like, you just yes. got on a plaid polo and some jean shorts, and you just going on stage. Like that's what that's what it was. There was no, especially in hip hop, the amount of pyrotechnics and shiny outfits, and even the things that mm-hmm. we. It, it just wasn't there yet. It was still like seventy-five mm-hmm. people on stage. And towels on your head, and you look like what the audience looked like. And that was dope.
1: I mean, I remember, I remember, the, I remember going to see Nas at the Fever mm, in the Bronx. At the Fever in the Bronx. Like. <laughs> in the night like you know what i mean before he was like not nah, like just like it's just i remember i could look, i could see him right now like it, you know what i mean it's just like they were just i hear you it was what a nice what a nice you know? time Amazing. to be it was they were so touchable what a nice time yes. what, a, what a what a great like i feel very blessed that that's part of my story like that was what i lived experience um crazy but um yes great it's funny you're talking about um old footage and videos so, like, I watch something and listen to something. I'm going to lean more on what I listen to, but they're related. And so, I don't know if you've heard, but there is a documentary out by my like documentary kind of like heroes um, called Alan versus Pharaoh. Started episode one. You're not I'm, heard about. This? I started episode one. I'm in my feelings. Oh, okay, go ahead. So this is done by Kirby Dick, and I can't remember the lady's name, but they do. They I will find. I will. I will definitely put in the show notes. But they have done so many documentaries about like the victims of sexual assault mm-hmm. whether it's in like college campuses they did the um, documentary about drew why can't i can't think for last name who was sexually assaulted as far as i'm concerned by um russell simmons they anyway, oh, yes. they know do this yes this we saw like, that like this is this, this this is their this is their jam this is their jam so when i found out that they were the producers behind directors behind this which I thought was going to be a movie, but it's not. It's a it's a series. Um, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm here for it. Because every time they put something together, it's always new, interesting stuff. Come to find out, my friends, because I guess this is what HBO is doing right now, is they made a complimentary podcast mm. called, you know, saying HBO presents Alan versus Farrow. And it is so interesting because what they do on the podcast the um, producer hosts it right? and so what she does is there's, she's like there's certain we can't put everything in the film and so it's like other recordings and interviews that didn't make it to the film or like extensions of the conversations and then they also talk to some of the experts that help them in shaping the story so in the first episode of the podcast they're talking to psychologist who specializes in sexual trauma in children Mm -hmm. and was just asking her questions about like all kinds of great amazing questions and I mean it's triggering because uh, for all of the reasons right it's this film about childhood sexual assault and this person who has not been held accountable who people are still like making films with and I just Oof. learned so much about how big Woody Allen I – did, I didn't even realize how big Woody Allen is and was and, like, just how which, – what which you're allowed to do when you have money. Yes. Yeah, so, so I was a
2: Woody Allen fan, so this podcast, was a lot at the time. No, me back too. There's
1: yeah. a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. So anyway, something specific in the podcast that really, like, triggered me and had me in my feelings was um, the host was talking to the psychologist and she said to her – know people give me a pharaoh such a hard like this idea of like how didn't you know and like all of this kids and all the all the things and she said she was like i would like you to just take a minute and imagine that some like that your father your brother your partner sexually assaulted your child sit with that for a second how hard would that be for you to accept and there was a way that i mean i've you know i've i've i i i like i you know i work with children i have children i have i have family members that have been sexually assaulted like all of that is like in my head but there's something about the way she said it in that moment that i was just like absolutely not that didn't happen holy shit right you know like holy shit like i don't like what would my brain do you know like how would my brain and she was like that is the thing it's like there's never been a story told from the perspective giving this perspective of the mother the parent the cousin whoever it is the person who has to come to terms with the fact that the The person that they love has harmed their child in this way. You don't hear that side of the story. And I was just like, triggered. (laughs) I was just like,
2: because we know those people. We do. And especially knowing you made a choice to be with a person who had that capacity and you didn't know. So you're struggling with so much on top of your own guilt around, there's no way I chose Mm -hmm. a person like this.
1: Mhm. And when you see, I mean, I won't. We won't give it away. But when you watch this documentary and you see the lengths to which Mia Farrow went to address her concerns, mm. you're just like, "Holy shit!" Like, isn't you know, it's not like you just like, you you can t- paint a story of like, "Oh, you just you didn't care, you looked away, or whatever the case may be." But like. No, this is not, that's not the story. This is not a person that was, that's not how it went at all. This is not a person that was like, I don't see what I see. This is somebody that's like, I see what I see. What the fuck is going on? Let me go figure this out. Let me talk to you. Let me go talk to therapists. Let me go talk to everybody. I'm going to ask my friends. I'm going to like get as much information as I can. I'm going to engage. And this still happened. You know, this is still the story. And so. You should definitely watch it. Listen to the podcast. It's so good. Um, but I, w- I definitely I was not expecting it to be a series. I was like, OK, I could sit and do this for like a, a one time sit down. And when I started and they just like got through the they fr- like halfway through the first episode, I was like, oh, we 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 really digging in <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like we're not this is no we're not steamrolling through this. We're going to we're really dissecting every aspect of this story. And the fact that this dude is married to his daughter—that is like you yeah, could we're call not whatever it any you, he other is He's married to his daughter, married to to his someone daughter. he raised. Yes, yeah, don't, he is married to his daughter. Yes, yeah, someone he raised. He then had sex with mm. and married. That—that that is what—that is what you are with. That is—that is what we all see out in the world. Shit is fucked up, and people get away with all kinds of craziness, and we accept all kinds of craziness, and so. Yeah, that, that was, that was, that was, that was mine. <laughs> that was my one. I'm going to lighten us up How a little bit. I'm going to lighten us up a little bit with some, some. Thank you. We keep saying it. No,
2: we can't. <laughs> we can't say it. Our tarot
1: said that's not what's happening. Not like- our ta- our tarot well, said that's actually not what you're doing today. Actually, what you're doing today is getting in all it. in your feelings. And-
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: So just do that. Go ahead. So Ty. let me explain something to you. Yeah, when, ahead, you up, when I what say lightning it up, when I say lightning up,
2: it's because the the movie I'm going to talk about was meant to be heavy. And it's so bad that you actually laugh through the whole thing. So so I'm going to talk about a movie okay, good, good, right, good, that, good, I, good. that I watched. So let me back up. So I'm in a blended, blended family situation. I have my daughter and uh, my partner Jason has his um, daughter's twins who are going to be 12 this year. All girls.
1: Oh, my God. Right. When you say it out loud, when you say it out loud, 12. Right. So wow. we, we got three
2: big girls, right? That's yes, a, yes. almost 17-year-olds, old. 2 almost 12-year-olds. Yes. And when we get together as a family – Um, Because, you know, we split custody, what have you. So trying to arrange, like, real family time where we we can sit and everybody's not in school and on devices is a lot. But when we get together, we decide that we're going to watch bad black cinema. And let me tell you, folks.
1: Bad black cinema.
2: There is a lot out there. And some of it is bad and some of it is just unpolished or didn't have much of a budget. But if you go... There is a there. They're like whole channels dedicated, like Aspire and Bounce, and and um, there's whole sections on Netflix, especially after last year's Black Awakening on all of these corporate, you know, levels. Mm-hmm. They they just roll out the black cinema, um, and and I like it because folks need to work, writers need to write, filmmakers need to produce things, and so you know, and bad is relative. And bad is I'm relative. Bad is relative.
1: Bad for my relative. for
2: my taste buds. certain right there are certain things that I'm like okay so we we getting into the it's a little a a little bit of the hood shit a little bit of whatever so whatever so this though was not meant to be any of those things I believe that this was meant to be a uh, a movie of some production value of some what have you and it stars two of our faves from our time frame Nia Long Nia Long and Omar Epps and the movie is called Fatal Affair, which, of course, when we saw the trailers and this came out, I think, late last year, we saw the trailers. We were like, OK, Fatal Attraction, um, you know, like I can do better. like this. There's, there's like all there's like 70 of these movies, but it had two of our faves mm-hmm. in it. And it had a guy that was in Light Skin Guy who was in Being Mary Jane, who played one of her. Um, like her guy, the one that she like couldn't let go of, and finally uh, ended up with a white woman and had a kid, and she was devastated. And he looks like so. The girls were like, "I guess he, they couldn't get common, so they got this guy because clearly they haven't seen." Him I can't. Before, I and can't, he looks can't. Just like him. It's I can't. hysterical. So anyway, the uh-huh. movie is about this woman, Nia Long, who is mm-hmm. a lawyer. And she is has been in married for twenty years and she has a college age daughter. And you know, she's in a marriage right now where she feels like she's waking up next to a stranger. They have a great okay. life. They just bought a brand new house. Everything seems beautiful. She's beautiful. He's really good looking, but she feels empty. So okay. in in at work walks this black guy who the company hired to hack into some emails. And it's Omar Epps. And when they introduce them, she's like, oh my gosh, hi. Because they went to college together. And the movie okay. goes on for them to like kind of flirt and hijinks ensue. And then it turns out that he is, he become, becomes a stalker and starts to stalk her and try to harm her. So I can't give away the whole movie, but you know that from the trailer. Okay.
1: Except okay.
2: the way in which they did this. So, first of all, the movie didn't have to be written. There was nothing new (laughs) under the sun. It's like somebody had a great house that they rented on a beach and they decided, let's make a movie around this house on the beach because we've got beautiful shots. So let's get some beautiful black people and let's make a movie. And Estelle was in it, the singer playing her assistant. Mm -hmm. It's like we just have Mm -hmm. random things. And then there was a relationship that was so unbelievable. So, okay. Okay. Omar Epps turns one of her friends against her, except that it was done with such ease that we were like, "Well, her friend needs to just die because
1: if that's how you treat your girl, we don't care about you." Like it was. Wait, was it like a was it like a thriller? Like people are dying? Is a thriller? it was. It was. It
2: was. It wasn't hard, but it was a okay. thriller. It was definitely a thriller. And it was like you know, there's violence, okay. there's intrigue, but the movie supposed to be a serious movie but we could not stop laughing and wishing harm on every character throughout the movie the only people that we were like okay y'all two can stay was the man who played her husband and the girl who played her daughter we were like everybody else in this movie can die we don't care we're not attached oh Um, gosh and it was just oh gosh it just felt like someone's like i have a contract to make a third movie for this studio so i'm just gonna make it so i'm gonna rent these two sets." and everybody's going to look good, and we're going to drive Lexuses through the whole movie, but it did not need to be made. And it wasn't, and we called it bad black cinema. How did you
1: sit through the whole thing? Because How did you sit whole this thing? is our
2: tradition, so we do it, and we literally laugh through the whole movie, oh, okay, or we, okay, just, okay. we just talk through the whole movie. Okay. Okay. And the thing is, I call it bad black cinema, except okay. that you could have inserted any race of people into this movie with the same dialogue. There is no inherent blackness to the movie. It's just a bad movie. Where mm. the people that play it happen to be black, and I felt, and so we came, we came away because we were trying to explain to the girls how big Nia Long and Omar Epps were for us, and all of our love in basketballs and the best mans and blah blah blah. And so their questions are like, "So do they need money?" And I felt <laughs> because
1: I'm like, <laughs> probably, and I said, "You probably. know
2: what, probably. black people," I, and and then it triggered me because I was like. You know what, loves? We don't have the opportunity to work as often as other people, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. as we age and a new set Mm -hmm. of black actors come up and they cast those people over Mm -hmm. and over again. And so, and Mm -hmm. Neil Long and Omar Epps, to their credit, have consistently worked between movies and TV shows, Mm -hmm, whether mm -hmm, they get canceled mm -hmm. or not. Omar Epps Mm -hmm. is on house forever, you know, so it's. Mm -hmm. So they've consistently worked. But in order to feed people, you've got to consistently work. And so you've got to do what you've got to do. And so and you want to work. And you want to work because that's your craft. And you want to work. And so it did make mm-hmm. me kind of look differently at, like we laugh about it, but it also made me look differently at how and why we consume this. Like th- these things are made for our pleasure. And, but it's a very real industry. And so folks got to do what folks got to do. But again, yeah, I would advise not, everybody to watch it if you want to see like some nice cars and some good-looking black people and some lovely sets. But other than that, you don't need too, to.
1: I like to your point. To your point too. Sometimes you don't even know it's gonna be a bad movie. Like you could probably get the script and see how it could have been something, and then maybe editing. It
2: could be editing. It could be yes, the director. So who knows? Things. I don't think they got this thinking that it was gonna be a bad movie. I just think they didn't watch the, the full product. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, mine is a book. Oh, yes, books. So, yes, yes, yes. So, um, a friend of mine introduced. Like, I've been hearing about this book actually, by from quite a few people. And then, finally, a friend of mine like sent a full on text. Like, you gotta, you gotta, um, you've gotta look at this book. And it's called Pet. It's by. I'm, please do not. I'm sorry if I mess up this name, Akawake, Yeah, I think that's an Akoweki Imizi called Pet. And it's so good. It's so good. It's um it's a I think it's a YA novel. I would call it YA novel. And the main character is a teenage, black, female, trans person. It takes place in the future. All the oppressions have been dealt with. Oh wow. And um I know, right? And there was like this big war and like they figured out how to like shut all that negativity down. And now they're living in this new time and something comes and it's like, actually things aren't all good. There's still danger. Mm. And she's having to like, look at, you know, her like world, which she's like, is, I want to say idyllic, but it's like, she feels safe in it and start to question that safety as um, a young person. And I got to say, I j- I'm not finished with the book. I'm, like, ch- in chapter five. And I'm really, really loving it. You should definitely go and, like, get it. Um, my, I'm reading it with the girls, and we're just, we're all really into it. Um, But the part of it that I found triggering, you know, they start right in the beginning of the book talking about just how this person – like saw their sexuality their their gender rather not their sexuality but their gender and how they you know went through the process of transitioning and there's a line in the book where it says so now you know at i think maybe at 12 or 13 the main character whose name is jam got to start taking hormones mm-hmm. and they made the car you know and then had surgery probably when when they were 15 or something. And it said this line of like, now you don't have to wait till you're adult for people to trust you around your body. Oh wow. And and it was just like because wow. we don't, right? right? It was something Yeah, something about it. You know, like something about it was just like a gut check around how much do I trust my children? to know what they say they know about themselves whether it's their body if someone asked me i'm like yeah tr- you know everyone should get to be transgender everyone should be be able to be or, or say and if you're if your five-year-old tells you that they are a b c or d they know what they're talking about and that can change and grow but like you're supposed to trust it but then when you talk about like hormones and surgery and like physically changing yourself it's like Wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh, wait,
2: roll that back to just
1: getting a tattoo
2: as a kid. Yes. Or something small where we're like, no, you've got to wait till you're 18.
1: Why? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And remembering things like piercing your ears or cutting your hair for the first time. and All of those things you do, that's like taking ownership of your body. And like, would I be able to support that level of like knowing when it's such, it's not just about like saying, okay, you could dress this way, but you're like, no, I know my body and what would make me feel good. So it got me right in my gut and I was like, okay, let's, let's keep on reading here. I get, obviously, there's things for me to learn in this process, but um, I would definitely, like I said, suggest the book is titled Pet. Um, the author is an amazing writer and I don't want to say her name again because ass- I'm sure that I am. I am 100% <laughs> sure I'm fucking it up and I'm sorry, but go find it. It's really, really good. What do you have for us? Okay, man? so my last one is a musical one. So, oh, nice. This you always come with the music. Well, I love
2: well this. this is an oldie but goodie. It's an oldie but but a recent revisit. So, um, last Saturday night, there was a versus, uh, and for like those of you who are not, <laughs> so somewhere under a rock during this pandemic. Great musical yeah. things that have come out of this pandemic has been verses and um, DJs with live like D Nice with Club Quarantine and um, Ninth Wonder with Fast Auntie Lounge and Dion Cole with Disco Sunday Fellowship. Um, so of get you know some, all their names.
1: Of course you know get all their some, names. so
2: of wait, all their so names. sidebar is that Dion Cole is Charlie from Blackish. And he's a comedian, but he's a fantastic, fantastic house and disco DJ. And every Sunday for two hours, he has Disco Sunday Fellowship, which I get into. And it's all like he's super Chicago house. But anyway, that's a sidebar. But all of these great musical things that have really reconnected me to DJs and and music have come out of the pandemic. So this versus um, was D'Angelo. And it was D'Angelo and Friends, so that he wasn't versus anyone, which was hysterical when it was announced. But because he only really has like three albums, and we've been listening to him since like 1994, 5-ish, maybe. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he made such a mark on our musical landscape and musical psyche when he came out. That we all still wait in anticipation of him. Like we wait, like, okay, we know Sade dropped an album, she's not coming out for another 10 years, and I'm here for it when she does. That mm-hmm, is how we mm-hmm, feel about mm-hmm. D'Angelo. So D'Angelo, who's gone through many a trial and tribulation, is doing this versus, and he shows up and I
1: don't even know what his trials and tribulations are. I there's know. There was drug what use,
2: there was, you know, arrests oh, and okay, things okay. and DYs and what have you. Okay. And there was, you know. I'm D'Angelo with the big leather pea coat, and then I'm D'Angelo and how do you feel with no shirt. I'm sexy D'Angelo and then I'm going back to be. And he's a he's an artist, you can tell. There are there are struggles mm-hmm. and there are things and there's, you know. So he <laughs> he comes out first the first hour is like DJ Scratch playing music. And DJ Scratch is dope, so you know, he's taking us back or whatever. And and it's at the Apollo. So you know it's a production. They've got candles everywhere. They've got a per like a Persian-looking rug down. It's very D'Angelo-esque. And the people mm-hmm. that show up in this versus, you know, it'll be everybody from Lena Waithe to Melba Moore and Stephanie Mills and, and, like, Kelly Rowland. So it's a bunch of people, and it's regular, normal folks like me who are in this, and we're all interacting. D'Angelo comes on. Mm-hmm. He's full circle. Full just circle. Just like back
1: in the day with Biggie. With
2: Biggie. Biggie. He's got a floor-length mm-hmm. black fur and leather coat that should have its own show. He has a great hat on and under the coat, he's just got like a tank top and some things, you know, whatever. He's got an outfit. So now we're all like, so, so the jokes start running. Clearly versus needs an outfit budget. Cause nobody's coming for D'Angelo in this outfit. And he starts to just drop his music and it was so good. And meth and mm. meth and red show up and her comes on and sings, nothing really matters that he does with Lauren Hill. and it was such a moment. Everything he dropped was so it was good. on my
1: wedding CD. Nothing really matters. Yes. I love that song. yes,
2: and her, you know her. so I she she song. blew it out. It was freaking fantastic. Yes. She looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. and but it took you to such a great musical place. and every song he dropped was like, "Yo, this is my joint. There was like nothing that he dropped for three albums that you were just like, meh." And the comments, so, like, he's smoking a cigarette. Lena Waithe writes, D'Angelo looks like he smells like cigarettes and freedom. And everybody (laughs) lost it for a good 10 minutes. But the one thing you could tell, Holly Robinson, Pete is in there just like, I'm losing my entire shit. Like and it's the thing that you realize is how much we are all bonded in music. And yes. folks folks were at various levels yes. of their fame that are in there. And yes. we were at various levels yes. of our lives, but this song reminds you of this dude. And this song reminds you of this yes. girl. And this song reminds you of this heartbreak when you were doubled over. D'Angelo's first album, I was dating my college boyfriend, and I had heard his song, I'd heard Brown Sugar on video Jukebox. where you know, people played at things, and I, I've done mm-hmm. this before another episode. And I ran Mm -hmm. to Coconuts in the city. It came out like a July Mm -hmm. 3rd, or like the July 3rd, and we were about to be off. And I listened to the album all day, and into July 4th, I saw him. And this negro borrowed the album and didn't give it back for like a week. We was about to fight. (gasps) And I was like, bruh, And I already have, I have issues concerning this particular boyfriend. (laughs) Let me stop. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I remember feeling like I had found something new for myself. And then, of course, you show up to school and everybody Mm -hmm. has found it. Everybody has the CD when you show up in (laughs) August. It's not just you. But because there's no oh, internet. I miss
1: that feeling. I miss right. that feeling. Be- I miss that feeling. When you're like, you found, you've like. You found you. Even if you got you. the album, you like track seven and you like, no, track seven, that's my song. That's my that's song. My, I don't know about you, but Snubber and everybody be like, nah, that's my, that's my song.
2: But the thing is because there's no internet <laughs> and there's no <laughs> cell know, phones. That's so funny
1: when you say that. I right. that feeling so well. Like, that's this is it's my It's just my, my
2: song, song. But there's yeah. no internet and there's no cell phones. So you don't know that your people have found this until you see them again or the one girlfriend that you call all the time. So when I got back to college and I'm playing my D'Angelo, my my dorm windows are open because it's still warm. Everybody's playing Mm D'Angelo. The verses was Mm -hmm. so good. And the jokes, because everybody was like, oh, my God, I don't want the coke to catch on fire. He keeps walking by these candles. It was was insane. But it was such a good time. And it brought you back to such a good place. And so I'm like, thank you, Swizz and Timbaland, for this one. Because... Y'all That's brought D'Angelo cool. out of ha- hiding cool. and Meth and Red showed up and everybody was still dope. I will say
1: That's so good. that
2: I don't know if D'Angelo was singing the whole time, but who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who cares? But it was dope. It was dope. okay.
1: So that was, that was that my fun. last one. It was First fun. of all, yes, and black people are so, we are so amazing. Like, here we are in this pandemic and they're like, finding ways to like have community to have the barbecue to have the 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 basement party just like reinvent it like this is the shit we need and we're gonna figure out we will always have community we will always have community that's that's dope we will always have community that's pretty amazing thank you Anne.
2: thank you Naluka bye bye